Hey, what's up? We're back. And this week it's for a really good card. Dustin Poirier, Dan Hooker. That should definitely be a banger. Uh, Mickey Gall, Mike Perry. Interesting fight as well on the card. And uh, before we get into it, I did uh, have a contest on my uh, video last week. I did say that I would shout out the person that had the uh, best score for the uh, for the night on the main card. And the winner for the event is Metal Mike UFC. So congrats to him. Uh, he did have Roberts round one sub incorrect, but... Had four other correct picks. He was the only guy that went uh, four out of five. So good job by Metal Mike. And I do see right here that, you know, uh, does look like he was doing a few predictions. I don't know if he's still going to be doing the predictions. He's still going to be, uh, you know, doing something like that. But if he is, you know, uh, go sub to him. Go support his channel. Uh, obviously, uh, he did good last week. So uh, maybe he'll continue to do good make you some money. But, yeah, shout out to Metal Mike. First guy to win. Uh the competition for uh, my channel for the main card picks and uh, I'm going to be doing that again so yeah guys it was fun uh, put down your uh, main card picks again who you think is going to win the method and uh, the winner will get a shout out uh, just like Metal Mike did so uh, yeah guys if you guys like that if you guys like this shout out uh, make sure to uh, join the competition and um, yeah but we're going to get right into the event here Dustin Poirier Dan Hooker and with the first fight of the night here, this fight did get uh, put together pretty recently. I believe yesterday they announced it. So short notice for both of these girls. They are going to be making their UFC debut. And uh, right away when you look at the, you know, just the tail of the tape, before you even break down any footage, anything like that, the main thing that pops out of you right away is uh, the fact that Jin Frey is 35 years old and that Kay Hansen is 20. That's a 15-year gap. I mean, Frey has almost been alive as many years uh or she's almost been alive almost double the amount of years that Kay Hansen's been alive. So a lot more experience, a lot more experience in the octagon as well in the cage. But uh, this fight is pretty close on paper, and Kay is actually the favorite. But when we're getting into their skill sets here, um, Frey, she's had a long career. She's fought some solid girls, and she's actually the Invicta Atomweight champion. But this is going to be the first time in her entire career that she's moving up to 115 pounds. So going to be interesting here, and uh, Frey is a plus athlete. She's, you know, well-rounded, uh, solid striking. Uh, she's a southpaw, good jab, uh, decent low kicks, inside-outside. Uh, her straight left-right hook combo, she really likes that. She'll throw it a lot. She has a good overhand left. She'll throw some body-head combinations. She has some power in her hand. She did drop her last opponent, uh, Ashley Cummings. Um, she'll throw some body and head kicks, but... She can be a little bit low volume. She is a little bit robotic. Uh, she could throw predictable hooks. She can also get her legs ate up as well. She's very heavy on her lead leg. She's a tough girl. She's only been stopped by strikes one time. She was knocked out pretty badly by Seho Ham. But uh, she only has one career to take KO herself. She's kind of a decisionator. She is a good grappler. In the clinch, she's aggressive. She'll throw uh, hard punches in combination. Nice knees, nice elbows. She's good at pulling fighters into the double leg. Pretty physical in the clinch. She'll look for trips. She'll look for takedowns against the cage. On top, she's more about control. Uh, positional, positionally, she likes to just ride people out. Not really looking for damage, looking for the submission. Does have a couple rear naked choke victories early in her career. She hasn't been su super active with the wrestling in recent fights. She's actually been more willing to strike, but in this fight, she's definitely going to be forced to wrestle. Um, like I said, she's a decisionator. She hasn't finished a fight since 2014, but she does have five-round cardio. She has the veteran experience, and, you know, she should be jazzed up here to get her first opportunity in the UFC. For Kay Hansen, 
She's making her debut here as well. She's 20, clearly improving every time out. Uh, she's gotten a lot better fight to fight. She's won two fights in a row. And her last two losses have been split decisions, so could have gotten either way in two of her three losses. Hanson, not a great striker. Um, she did take a boxing fight recently, and her hands are okay. She'll throw some straights, some hooks. Uh, isn't much of a kicker. I mean, she's really looking to use her forward pressure of footwork. Her strikes as a distraction in order to get the takedown. Isn't looking to finish the fight on the feet. And uh, never been finished by strikes either. She's a very tough girl. She actually kind of reminds me of, um, you know, maybe a Jillian Robertson when she was on the Ultimate Fighter. Or a Mallory Martin. Girl like that. Her, she's a strong grappler. She has uh, very good double legs, good back takes. Good at taking opponents down off of kicks. And in the clinch, she's strong. Good head positioning, good uh, ability to dig underhooks, good trips. On top, she's very heavy, good ground and pound, good submissions, good mounts, good back takes. And when she gets to the back, she will flatten opponents out. She's effective. She'll sit in the half guard, laying ground and pound, look for guillotines. Hansen will finish the guillotine from the mount. Uh, she has solid arm triangles. She'll attack front chokes. She will attack arm bars from mount. I've seen Hansen taken down, but... Get off her back, hard to control. She'll use leg locks to sweep, to submit. She's finished five or six wins on the mat. She's young, she's aggressive. She pushes a high pace, and in the small cage, her wrestling should be effective. But Hanson is only one and two in decisions. So it's kind of an iffy proposition if it goes to the scorecards. Man, I don't have a great read on this fight at all. Frey, she's the better athlete, the better striker. She has more experience. But I'm not sold on her wrestling. I think Hansen could just take her down, dominate her. Hansen's bigger. She's. I'm going to go with Kay Hansen here via decision, but no confidence in this pick. Up next here, we have a really interesting fight. We have a prospect taking on a veteran, Jordan Griffin, 30 year old guy taking on the 23 year old uh, young upstart, Yusuf Zalal. And Yusuf Zalal came through as a big underdog in his UC debut. Uh, if you've ever listened to my uh, breakdown, I actually picked him, and it kind of was very accurate on the way that the fight would go down in his fight with Austin Lingo. Excellent performance. He dominated him pillar to post. And Zalal's improving every fight. And at just 23 years old, he's growing. You could see it. And he's very skilled, slick fighter, plus skills on the feet and on the mat. Tall, lanky striker, nice movement, uh, stance switcher, good head movement. And he isn't it great with the hands. He'll throw the jab out there. He'll throw a lead hook. Uses a 1-2, but his defense and boxing range is pretty bad. He doesn't really like being there. He doesn't like exchanging punches. Zalal does have nice low kicks. He has excellent round kicks, front kicks, body head. He'll throw some nice question mark kicks. He looks to be kicking and moving until he can time level changes usually. Does have some nasty kicks with both legs. He can put fighters down with kicks and also has a nice flying knee. He's very fast. He's explosive. He's going to be the better athlete in this matchup. And he has two knockouts. I've seen Zalal get rocked before, but never dropped. He's tough. He recovers quickly. His striking is definitely improving every time out. And Zalal likes to mix it up. I see him as the clearly superior wrestler. He has nice double legs, good single legs as well, which the single leg is really his go-to takedown, especially in his last fight. Good clinch takedowns. He'll shoot a jab straight out there and then just duck right into the single leg. I definitely see him getting a few takedowns, if not a lot of takedowns in this fight. In top positions, Law has very good ground control, nice ground and pound. He likes to get to side control, trap a wrist, uh, 
you know, throw punches. He'll throw heavy elbows. But his main objective is to get the back. Good back taker. Good rear naked chokes. He'll also attack guillotines, darces. Good front chokes. And uh, nasty, uh, just nasty front choke submissions, actually. He'll attack bravo chokes. Good darcer. And, uh, you know, he has five submission victories. He's never been finished. Great cardio. He doesn't slow down in fights. And he's going to be taking on a tough veteran in Jordan Griffin, who's been quickly rebooked here. He had that fight fall out with Derek Minner. Griffin, I believe, had to make weight for that fight. So this is going to be a second weight cut in a very short period of time. And we've seen a lot of these guys that are fighting multiple times uh, in very short succession aren't in very short success, success, succession, aren't having very good success, you know. Um, but, you know, Griffin was on his way to losing his last fight. And, uh, you know, he was able to pull, pull, one out, pull one out of the hat, get the victory there. And he's always a guy that is always live. He always has a chance, even if he's getting dominated. And he's a southpaw, decent distance striker, lateral movement, and uh, kind of likes to move and then explode in. Good jab, good straights. Uh, Nice one-two, nice jab, overhand left. And he's aggressive, quick closing the distance, good blitzes. He'll throw some wide hooks to close off uh, his opponent's exits and then try to kind of maul them when they're against the cage. And um, in round three, he will pick it up. He has uh, some nice short hooks, some nice uppercuts when he forces guys to trade, dangerous kicks. And uh, he'll throw a one-two to a rear leg body or head kick. And, you know, if he could time his blitzes, uh, a little bit better or set him up with feints he could be a lot more dangerous he does have five career knockouts and uh good chin he's only been knocked out one time it's gonna take a lot to take out a guy like jordan griffin he's an opportunistic grappler but not the greatest wrestler um you know he's given up takedowns very easily in a lot of fights in his last fight he was basically en route to losing prior to catching a really nasty submission from bottom and finishing the fight got a guillotine from side control which is really hard to do and, um, you know, Griffin is tough. He's hard to finish, and he survives the storm. He's always looking for opportunity of his own to finish the fight. And uh, good sweeps. When he gets on top, he's dangerous with submissions. He's dangerous with uh, ground and pound. And he's also dangerous off of his back and in scrambles with submissions. So Griffin, he's an opportunistic finisher, nine submission victories. This is a tougher fight for me to call due to the circumstances. The smaller cage is going to favor Griffin's. The law, he likes to stick and move, use a lot of kicks, but his boxing isn't great. If Griffin pressures, forces him to trade, he could hurt him. The law has to rely on his wrestling to win here and uh, avoid the submissions of Griffin. Griffin is not going to have the takedown defense to stop the takedown, so it's going to come down to if uh, Zalal can control and not get swept or uh, not allow Griffin to stand back up to his feet or submit him. I think if it goes to decisions, the law will most likely get the victory. The law has a chance to get the finish as well, but I think Griffin is the more likely guy to get the finish. I mean, we've seen how hard Griffin is to submit, and uh, I don't really see the law knocking Griffin out unless he lands a crazy kick or a flying knee, something like that. So the pick for me is going to be Yusuf Zalal via decision here. I'm next year we have another pretty fun fight. We got Takashi Sato making the return, taking on the uh, debuting Ramiz Brahimaj. And Takashi Sato, uh, this is going to be his first fight of 2020. He was going to fight in February, but Maki Pitolo had weight cutting issues pulled out on, uh, I believe, the day of the weigh-ins. So uh, he wasn't able to fight here. So Sato, he is 1-1 one one so far in his UFC career. Coming off that loss to Bilal Muhammad, but... 
that's definitely not something to hang your head about. We just saw Bilal go out there to feed a very tough lineman good. And Salto, he's just still a good prospect. He Good striker, wide stance, light on his feet. Uh, distance control is pretty good. Good jab. Clean uh, straight left hand down the middle. He is a southpaw. His punches come fast. He moves very fluidly. He uh, does a great job of uh, throwing the jab followed by a left elbow. He will attack the body. He's very good at sliding out of the way of strikes, countering. He has uh, very fast hand speed. He does stand a bit upright, does keep his chin high, so he's there to be hit. His uh, eyes and head movement save him a lot in that regard because he's able to see see shots coming, move counter, and kind of discourage opponents, make them not want to throw. But he can be hit because of that as well. He also is heavy on his lead leg. He's there to be leg kicked a bit. Nice chin. Uh, he is, you know, durable, but he's gotten rocked on several occasions. I've seen him knocked out before. He has good recoverability. I've seen him hurt, come back to win. And, uh, he's only been finished by strikes one time, but Sato does have 10 knockouts. So definitely you have to be careful with him on the feet. Good grappling as well. Good body locks, good judo throws, strong top game. And he likes to take the back, get them out, finish the fight with strikes he won his last two fights with ground and pound, and he's a good grappler defensively. Solid takedown defense, good get-ups. In the clinch, he has strong hips. He'll even counter with judo throws. He'll try to throw some elbows, some knees to you know make guys not willing to engage with him in the clinch again. He's good at springing right back up to his feet when opponents get him down. Uh, good at sprawling, circling to the back. And he impressed me a lot in the fight with Glyco Franca. He was able to deny a lot of takedowns, even against Bilal Muhammad. Bilal Muhammad said that uh, Salto is one of the hardest guys he's ever had to take down. He did uh, eventually get submitted by Bilal Muhammad uh, with the rear naked choke. And, um, you know, that's not great for this fight here because Bilal isn't a fighter who's necessarily a big submission threat. And he's facing a guy in Ramiz Brahimash who is uh, a very elite jiu-jitsu guy, so... Definitely is going to going to want to stay off his back in this fight. Keep it on the feet. He does give his back up a lot. He has to be careful with that in this fight. He isn't a submission threat. He only has two uh, career submissions. He's only been submitted twice as well himself. And his opponent, uh, Brahimaj. Brahimaj hasn't fought in over a year. He was scheduled to face uh, Miguel Baeza on the contender series last March. But got injured, was forced off the card, and he hasn't fought since. He has been healthy for a little bit now. He actually won the 2019 IBJJ, IBJJF uh, No World No Gi Worlds in December, and uh, he's a 27 year old prospect. He's eight and two. He's fighting out of Fortis MMA, and he really has little to no striking. He will look to throw some straights, some kicks, and close the distance. He can be very sloppy closing the gap inside the clinch. He's very hittable as well. He's tough, but man, I mean, he's been dropped in multiple fights. He is just his striking is just not there. Still yet to get, still has yet to get finished though. So is a tough guy. Isn't gonna knock anyone out. He is a slick grappler. He's always looking to close that distance, get in the clinch, get the fight to the mat. He really likes to jump on the back from standing. He'll pull guard. Uh, good cardio, and he's willing to spam takedowns against the cage, get guys tired. Even if he's not the greatest wrestler, not effective with the wrestling early, he tends to take fighters down later on or when he can chain some takedowns together. His takedowns aren't even good, but uh, they can just be a little bit, I don't know, a little bit unorthodox. He can kind of 
be a little bit goofy in there and just surprise some guys. Um, you know, when he can get on top, he's super dangerous. He's always attacking the neck. Great arm triangles, very good rear naked chokes, good guillotines. And he's also excellent off of his back. Uh, very good submissions, good sweeps. And I've seen where fighters shut him down and beat him. He's finished uh, all his matches by submission. But when he's fought certain guys that have been able to defend his submissions early on in the fight, he he can kind of not be as dangerous as the fight goes on. He gets a little bit tired. In his two career decisions, uh, he's lost. He's finished all his matches by submission. And he spends too much time on his back. He just doesn't have the striking to win a decision. He's usually the most dangerous in the first round. He's finished seven of his eight wins in the first round. And he's never won a fight where it's gone to the third round. Oddly enough, though, I will say, uh, you know, him and Sato, cardio-wise, are kind of similar. But I do think that he does slow down. And this is a tough fight to call solely because Salto does tend to give up at least a couple bad positions on the ground in every fight. On the feet in this one, he's way better than his opponent. Much better, more fluid, better distance control. And if it stays on the feet, he will 100% get a knockout. Brahimaj, he isn't like he's a D1 wrestler. He likes to get a lot of his takedowns in the clinch or against the cage. And Salto's strong there with his judo black belt. Um, I'm going to pick Salto to get the KO. But uh, Brahimaj is live to catch a sub for sure. But I'm going to go with the uh, the veteran here, the more experienced, and uh, take Takashi Sato. Up next here we got a fight in the featherweight division. Kyle Nelson, Sean Woodson. And Sean Woodson, he entered the UFC with a bang. He had an awesome debut against Kyle Bokniak. Opened a lot of eyes. I mean, he's a huge featherweight, great striking, a lot of potential. 79-inch reach, which is absolutely insane. He's a crisp striker with very good feints, uh, very good boxing, forward pressure style, uh, high volume style, very accurate, very calm, calculated guy. He will he will fight with a bit of a broken rhythm at times. He always holds his hands low, which makes it hard to see his punches coming. And uh, he'll land a punch or a combination, relax, breathe, faint, reset, or uh, you know just jump into another combination and. That ability to just kind of uh, fight at a weird rhythm throws a lot of guys off. This just allows them to keep opponents guessing and on the back foot. Uh, long jab, good one-two, powerful left hook. His pull counter left hand is nasty, man. And he puts combinations together behind his jab very fluidly. He'll touch his opponents with shots instead of pull, putting full power into the punches. And uh, just stick them with that long punch. Just that, you know, that freaking stick that he has basically i mean he's just jabbing it at guys he'll mix in some uppercuts some hooks some uh, you know front kicks up the middle he uh you know will go to the body as well with punches and kicks good at staying long he doesn't smother his work he will throw some really nice leg kicks as well and uh, really nice knees up the middle woodson is just dangerous man very good head kicks he'll throw in the pocket he keeps the volume high. He's very good at controlling the center, cutting the cage off, switching stances. He uh, picks up as the fight goes on and really uh, just has an endless gas tank. In his fight when he fought uh, Richard Lovedale, I mean, he probably finished that fight with like a 30-punch combination against the cage. Uh, landed a nasty flying knee on the contender series that earned him a victory. Really dominated Kyle Bokniak from pillar to post. And he's training at Glory MMA, so he should be improving his striking, improving his grappling. 
and he has the frame on the feet to be excellent. I mean, he's definitely um, not a power guy, but he's a guy that can just overwhelm you. Woodson can be open to hook some overhands over the top. His straights, uh, you know, you can kind of come over the top of them if you can get inside. But he has great footwork, great head movement. He can strike moving backwards, moving forwards. Very calm in the pocket. He'll block and return. He'll parry. But he can't allow himself to get clinched up against the cage. He has shown a good chin, and uh, he's confident. He's undefeated. He has two knockout victories, and he's improving his grappling. In his last fight, he showed the ability to deny takedowns against the cage. He defended the single leg very well, good get-ups against the cage, and he can't be taken down. He gives up his back to stand up as well. He's very patient when fighters take his back. Uh, he's never been submitted. And he can duck under for double legs as well. And he's long. He's good at posturing up, landing big elbows when he can get on top. And uh, he isn't big on fighting on the mat, though. Even in top position, he can be landing some heavy ground and pound just stand up. And uh, he's not a guy that's ever going to push it to be on the mat. But a lot of guys, I feel, are going to shoot on him. So he has to really get ready to uh, sprawl and brawl, be ready to defend takedowns. In this fight... I'm not sure if I'm going to see a lot of grappling here. I don't know if Kyle Nelson is going to implement that kind of game plan. But Woodson has to be ready to defend some takedowns if he does go there. Woodson, he will use a guillotine to, uh, you know, defend a little bit. And he does have a guillotine victory. That's his only submission. A long guy. I mean, he does have the ability to get good at front chokes. But his opponent, Kyle Nelson, um, he finally got into that UFC win column his last time out. He had lost his first two, but... Came back, blasted through Polo Reyes in the first round. And, you know, prior to that, his two losses had come against solid guys in Matt Sales and Diego Ferreira. And uh, he had spots in both of those fights where, you know, he hurt both opponents. And Nelson is a huge featherweight himself. So these are two of the biggest featherweights on the roster. Kyle Nelson, he's a good striker. He's powerful. Good jab, good straight right hand. You'll throw some nice one-twos. Good counter left hook, a very nice step in knee to the body, nice leg kicks, good front kicks. His front kick to the body is pretty nasty. He hurt Diego Ferreira with it. He'll throw a nice left hook, right uppercut combination. He comes out fast. He's dangerous. He has good power. He forces a lot of opponents to shoot bad takedowns. And in his last match, he overwhelmed Marco Polo Reyes against the cage with punches. He was putting it on Diego Ferreira in the first round. He gasses out for sure after the first round. And uh, he does like to use a high guard, so he's hittable to the body. He has five knockouts in his career. And he's only been finished one time against Matt Sales. He's pretty durable. Kyle Nelson, he is a solid grappler. He doesn't really go for takedowns very often or in the clinch. He will shoot some reactive double legs on occasion. In his fight with Matt Sales, he did land a nice double leg. He was able to use the single to circle to the back, take him down against the cage. And I feel in this fight, he has to have noticed the poor takedown defense of Woodson and maybe try to exploit that. But Nelson, if he has a heavy wrestling game plan, I think he's going to gas out. If he does get top position, especially early, I could see him having success. He does pass well. He has good ground and pound. And his takedown defense is good. Uh, you know, I feel higher level wrestlers will be able to take him down, but he doesn't have to worry about that here in this fight. But... If he can get to the mount or get to the back here, he will have a chance to finish the fight. He did almost finish Matt Sales with a rear naked choke. He has a gu nice guillotine, and uh, but he isn't the highest level guy on the ground. I mean, we saw Matt Sales dominate him on the ground, and Matt Sales 
isn't the best ground fighter. Diego Ferreira just beat him like butter when he took him down. He looks a little bit weak off of his back. He does have four submissions, but this is a battle of two strikers. I think Woodson is way more accurate, way smoother. Goes body head, has nasty kicks, jabs, straights. He'll go up, down. He's high volume. He's a stalker. Uh, the small cage should favor him. He throws, um, you know, just a lot more accurate shots, I believe. I think that he's, you know, dangerous as well with his knees. So I'm going to go with Woodson to win via knockout here. And I'm pretty confident that Sean Woodson's going to get this one done. And up next here we have another women's fight. Mara, Mara Romero Barella is making the return. She's taking on Miranda Maverick. And uh, this girl that's debuting, I'm a little bit more excited about her. So she's only 22 years old, but she's already one of the better uh, prospects in female MMA. 7-2. She's had some pretty good victories. She's coming off a dominant victory over uh, UFC veteran Pearl Gonzalez. And Maverick's last three wins have all came against UFC veterans. She's improving pretty rapidly. She's athletic. She has a fairly good head movement. She's light on her feet. She's good in and out. She has a wide stance. Likes to use a lot of kicks on the outside. Decent low kicks. She has solid round kicks, front kicks to the body. She will throw some wild high kicks. And she could throw some naked kicks, leave herself exposed to be countered. Um, she does have a nice counter left hook. She'll throw some straight punches, some pool counters. Her striking is a means to an end, though, which is to get the fight to the mat. No KOs in her career. Maverick, she's a strong grappler. Getting on top, getting the submission is the main objective for her. Solid in jiu-jitsu. She's a former wrestler. She's a farm girl. She's very strong. She's muscular. She's physical. She likes to use a single leg most often. Good job of uh, getting in on the single, then uh, reaping her opponent's other leg. She has solid uh, timing on her double leg. She showed that against Pro Gonzalez. Good takedowns against the cage. And on top, she's very heavy. Good uh, passer, good ground and pound, likes to take the back, has a great squeeze. She'll get the arm under the neck or on the chin, squeeze the life out of people. I mean, she is susceptible to being taken down herself or controlled against the cage. In her fights with Deanna Bennett, she did get controlled in the clinch. She got taken down multiple times. Bennett was able to ride her out, dominate position, and win a decision in their first fight. In their rematch, the fight looked similar through two rounds. Uh, I thought Bennett was going to win another decision. But Maverick dug, dug deep in the third, choked out Bennett. And Maverick, she is active off her back. She's an attacking guard. She'll create scrambles to get back to her feet. And she was impressive against Pro Gonzalez. Gonzalez, she is a dangerous bottom player. She got shut down. She got dominated. And Maverick got to dominant position. She landed a big ground and pound on Pearl. She mauled Pearl. And Maverick is tenacious. She has great cardio. She's just a pure grinder. She's super hungry. Six submission wins. She's inexperienced. She just has one fight out of Kansas, none on the West Coast. But this is a solid matchup to ease her into the UFC. And her opponent, Mara Romero Barella, is making the quick turnaround here after that piss-poor showing last month. Barella, she got submitted early in the first round by Courtney Casey. She's lost three fights in a row, and she's on the verge of being cut. I mean, the urgency needs to be at an all-time high here for Barella. But Barella, she's a flat-footed counter-striker. She will throw some leg kicks, a straight right hand. She'll throw a straight right hand left hook combination. Uh, you know, she likes to close the distance with some punches, but she's just low output, flat footed. Uh, very obvious the way that she attacks. She has a very bad chin. Um, you know, she's been knocked out four times in her career, 
And she even got dropped by girls like Mara Romero, or I mean by girls like uh, Montana De La Rosa. Barella, I mean, her game plan, her path to victory here is going to be control against the cage, get on top, use her heavy pr uh, top pressure to pass, get to dominant positions. Um, but we saw in her last fight she did get that quick takedown, and then she was submitted. So her submission defense uh, isn't the best. I mean, she's been submitted twice now. Um, this fight reminds me of Barella versus De La Rosa. If De La Rosa was more physical, I think Maverick is even more physical. On the feet, I think it's close, but neither girl is going to finish on the feet. I just think Maverick is the better grappler. I see her getting to the back, either getting a sub or staying in top position for the large part of three rounds, kind of cruising to a victory. Could Barella out grappler? Maybe, but I'm not picking against the hungry young athlete in Maverick. I think she gets it done here, and I think she gets it done here in fashion. So I'm going to go with Miranda Maverick to get a submission. I'm next here. Huh? It's one of my least favorite fights on the card. I'm not going to spend too much time on this one, but Tanner Bozer taking on Felipe Linz. Both these guys coming off losses. Tanner Bozer had that decision loss to Cyril Gaon where mostly got dominated but showed his toughness. And Felipe Linz coming off that uh, performance against Andre Olofsky where just was very passive, didn't throw much volume, and uh, just got outworked for a decision. But when you're looking at this fight, I mean, Bozer, he's going to be a little bit bigger with the reach advantage. I think that um, Bozer throws the more volume and uh, has those really nasty low kicks. And Felipe Linz maybe has the better boxing, the faster hands. He's going to want to make it a boxing style fight. Bozer's going to want to be using that movement, working that calf kick, and then kind of beating up on uh, Felipe Linz when he's a little bit more compromised. Uh, don't really see either guy looking to get this fight to the ground. I think Bozer has uh, the better cardio. I think he's also probably a little bit tougher, a little bit more durable. He's used to fighting the bigger guys for a bigger portion of his career. I mean, Linz has obviously been a light heavyweight for a long time of his career as well. So I'm going to go with Tanner Bozer to uh, take a decision here. I'm next year of a uh, pretty interesting fight. Luis Pena taking on Kama Worthy. And Luis Pena, he notched another UFC victory his last time out, defeating Steve Garcia. Pena overall pretty successful. He's been 4-2 in his UFC stint. He has switched camps once again. He's now at American Top Team. Kind of said it was due to financial reasons. Florida is a lot cheaper to live at than California. So moved over there for that. And he should be steadily improving every time out. Um, he's very tall, long, creative striker, good fakes, feints, picks his shots well. In this fight, it's imperative when Pena, you know, moves to kind of keep his hands up, not, uh, you know, use that tall man defense because Worthy's going to be coming in there throwing hammers. Pena needs to stay long, work behind that jab, that left hook, good one-two. He has a good uh, check left hook, lean back check left hook, uh, nice uh you know, hook uppercut or hook straight combination. Throws a lot of volume, good kicks, vicious knees. He will throw uh, some flying knees uh, that are really nasty. I mean, he does lean back to avoid punches. Like I said, he can get hit. And in this fight, he, he can't afford to get hit clean. Um, he can also be susceptible to leg kicks. But he does have two uh, knockouts in his career. Pena, his uh, jiu-jitsu is obviously improving. I mean, we did see in his last fight. He was able to kind of backpack his opponent for three rounds against Matt Favola. He 
was able to cause a lot of trouble for him, even off bottom. He was able to kind of, uh, you know, get in some weird 50-50 positions where he landed a lot of ground and pound. He swept Favola. He attempted quite a few submissions. And uh, he's good at countering takedown attempts with Kimura's. He's a decent grappler overall. And uh, he's definitely going to be the much better grappler than Kama Worthy. His offensive wrestling isn't bad. I mean, he has decent... uh, level changes, decent takedowns in the clinch, and I feel he's going to be able to get Kama Worthy down if he wants to. Worthy, he did enter the UFC in, uh, with a bang, man. I mean, he was a massive underdog, but no one told him that, and he shut the lights out of Defonte Smith in the first round. He's a dangerous, explosive fighter, one-punch knockout power, kind of a glass cannon. I mean, he uh, can get knocked out himself, but he's very confident. He's won six fights in a row. He hasn't lost in three years. And he's a dangerous guy, especially early on. I mean, he's very wild, very aggressive. Seven knockouts in under two minutes. And he's going to be undersized here. He's fought a lot of fights at 145. And he doesn't have nearly, you know, the height of a guy like Luis Pena. But Worthy has a nice jab, good one too. Um, Tight punches and weird power. I mean, sharp counters. He kind of likes to explode in a range with the left hook, right hook. He uh, he kind of connects and stuns. When he gets in the pocket, he's a little crazy. He'll throw wide hooks, uppercuts, jump knees, front kicks, but doesn't set things up very well. He, uh, you know, will just kind of be very wild, standing hammer fist. He's a fun guy to watch. He puts it all out there. Um... He virtually has no defense on the feet when he's throwing all these crazy techniques, though. Hands down, wide open to be hit. I mean, I've seen him dropped many times. I've seen him flatline, brutally stiffened up, KO'd badly. He definitely has taken a ton of damage. His defense is his offense. If he lands first, takes you out, he's going to win. But if not, he's usually going to get taken out. I mean, he's been knocked out five times. He has uh, ten knockouts of his own. And uh, he's not a great offensive grappler from what I've seen. Uh, Very bad takedown defense as well. He gets taken down extremely easily, whether it's a shot or clinch takedown. Um, He will try to scramble back to his feet. Um, I've seen him submit fighters after he drops them, but his grappling looks pretty low level. He uh, has been submitted one time. He's been finishing all of his losses. And uh, he's finished 10 of his 14 wins. He's going to have nothing to lose here. I mean, he's going to go out there with another chance to get a big knockout over a name guy. But for me, the pick has to be Louis Pena. He isn't a confident pick. Kama uh, Worthy is just one of those guys that's hard to bet against because he can ruin your night in one instant. In this matchup on the feet, Pena, you know, he's more diverse, more composed. But I think Kama is more dangerous. You have to worry about the durability factor for Kama, though. I think that Pena should grapple here, should grapple heavy. Look for the submission or the decision victory like he did in his last fight. And uh, where these takedown defense is just weak, you know, take the path of least resistance, get the victory, and, uh, you know, get two paychecks and go home. So I'm going to go with Luis Pena to uh, have a smart game plan and get the victory. Oh, man, here we got another heavyweight fight. Uh not going to spend a ton of time on this one either. Mo Green taking on John Vellante. Uh, terrible fight. I mean, both these guys aren't UFC caliber in my opinion. Um, 
Mo Green, man, I mean, on the feet, he's a solid athlete. He's long. He'll switch stances. Decent speed. Decent athleticism for a heavyweight. Good jab. Uh, he'll throw some one-twos. He has a, kind of a tricky shovel uppercut. Throws a lot of low kicks, outside, inside, leg kicks, oblique kicks. In his match with Sergey Pavlovich, man, he looked terrible. He was throwing the same naked low kick over and over after the jab and uh, getting countered very clean. He got rocked multiple times, finishing the first round because of it. Poor fight IQ. He just couldn't adjust. Uh, he will throw some nice front kicks, round kicks to the body. And those kicks are going to be vital because Volante is kind of weak to the body. He can come in with some dangerous blitzes, some knees, some elbows. But his defense is just not good. I mean, he could throw bad hooks inside uh, bad hooks inside or from too far out. He can drop his hands after he throws kicks. Very hittable. I mean, he's been rocked in almost every UFC fight he's been in. He's skilled offensively, but just he lacks something. He does have two knockouts. His chin isn't the greatest, though. He's been knocked out three times if you include his boxing career. His kickboxing career, excuse me. But Green, uh, decent grappler. He doesn't really have the wrestling, but dangerous off his back with his guard. Good Kimura. He did kind of get mauled in his last fight, but he showed some toughness, showed some good submission defense. He ultimately did get submitted, but that was against a legend in Alexio Olenek, who's a great submission guy. Green's cardio is not the greatest, but does keep a high pace for heavyweight. I think he has better cardio than Volante. Volante... Making the move to heavyweight, he's had three losses in the last five fights. Just probably doesn't feel like cutting weight anymore. He's on his last legs, and he hasn't fought in heavy hasn't fought at heavyweight since 2010. But is six and one at heavyweight, and uh, I mean, he usually starts fights well. He has a good jab, good leg kicks, good one twos, uh, good left hook, nice overhand right, good power. He has good body kicks, good head kicks. But after the first round, his volume's uh, just slow significantly. His power isn't there anymore. Fighters are able to walk him down. He doesn't move his head. He's very hittable. Um, I think the jab, the body shots of green, just the reach of green is going to be a lot for John to deal with. His durability isn't as what it used to be. I mean, he's very susceptible to body shots. His chin isn't bad. Um... You know, but he has been finished by KOTKO six times. He has 10 knockouts, but only one in his last eight fights. And he's not a grappler. He's not a wrestler. I don't really see him trying to take the fight to the ground. I thought I would be much more confident in Maurice Green, but I'm not after watching footage. I think in the first round, Volante could hurt Green. I really do. Green striking defense is terrible. Leaves a lot of openings. Gian likes to counter. I just don't know, man. Gian slows down in every fight. Um... I think he's going to struggle with the jab, the body shots. And at heavyweight, I kind of want to see how he looks, but I can't take Volante right now. Green throws more volume. He's more aggressive, so he's more likely to win a decision. He also has a chance at a finish. He just has more ways to win. He's younger in his career, probably hungrier. I'm going to go with Mo Green, but not a confident pick at all. And I'm going to show you one of the fights that I'm most looking forward to on Saturday night, Brendan Allen taking on Kyle Dukas. And Brennan Allen, he's been very impressive so far in his UFC career. He's won both fights via finish, and he's won six fights in a row. He's only 24 years old, so he's looking better time in, time out. He's big confidence, uh, you know, right now, and uh, he's he's a middleweight with uh, you know a very big frame, great forward pressure. 
His striking is not very good, and he kind of knows it. He looks close the distance immediately. His last three fights, he hasn't stuck, uh, struck very much at all. He does have power in his hands. He likes to use his head movement to get inside, throw hooks. He'll paw a jab out there to find his range, but doesn't really have good footwork. He's a plotter, closes his distance very sloppy. When he gets inside, uh, he'll throw some hard knees up the middle. Good uppercuts. He's durable. He does have five knockouts, and he's never been finished by strikes. So, I mean, he is a guy who's willing to bang, and he could take you out if you do want to just sit and trade with him. But his striking overall needs a lot of work, a lot of polishing. Um, Brendan Allen is a brown belt in jiu-jitsu. He relies on his grappling. He crashes his distance into the clinch where he's very active with knees. He's strong. He mauls opponents, gets the cage. He has good body lock takedowns. Very good at taking the back from standing or when he gets on top. And that's primarily his game. Allen doesn't really have the greatest top control historically. He can be sloppy when he tries to pass. A lot of fighters have kind of been able to sweep him out, scramble him. And that's how he's lost his three fights is just by getting out grappled. In his last match, I do have to give him credit. He dominated a black belt on the mat. He was able to get to side control. Looked very heavy. Landed some big ground and pound. And ultimately... He finished the fight late in the first round with shots on the ground. Tom Breeze looked very bad in that fight, though. In that fight, though, didn't move much on bottom. Was laying flat on his back, and Allen can be taken down, but overall, he does have pretty strong takedown defense. When he does get taken down, he has good arm bars, triangles, leg locks, and he's pretty comfortable off his back. But wants to avoid being there in this fight against Kyle. He has been rear naked choked before, and he was almost submitted against uh, Kevin Holland. Allen does wear fighters out with that constant forward pressure, the grappling, and he won't get tired. And eventually, if you do, he'll get to a dominant position and close the show. He's finished 12 of his 13 wins. He has eight submissions. And he, he's just been submitted that one time. He's a tough, scrappy dude. His opponent, Kyle Dukas, is going to be making his UFC debut here. He's uh, getting this opportunity on short notice, stepping in for Ian Heinish. And he's a 9-0 prospect, good jiu-jitsu black belt. He has uh, eight submission victories and nine wins. He's competed on the Contender Series. He's also the Cage Fury FC middleweight champion. And uh, Dukas isn't bad on the feet. He's a tough pressure for uh, pressure fighter, good striking. He has good boxing. You'll throw some very nice combinations. Very good straight right hand. You'll throw a left hook right after it. Sometimes he can overextend on the straight, but uh, falling with that left hook saves him a little bit. He has uh, nice straight punch combinations. He switches stances, tight punches in the pocket, very nice inside low kicks, front kicks up the middle, and head. He can be a little bit hittable. He is good uh, with the high-low action inside, body head, but uh, he's very tough. He can kind of uh, keep his head on center line, though, and get hit, but he likes to break guys on the feet. He likes to kind of pressure them and uh, force them to either – Get knocked out, which he has no knockouts in his career. So, but he forces guys to shoot on him, and that's where he gets his submissions. And uh, Kyle Dukas, he's a nasty submission grappler, very good in the clinch as well with knees and elbows. He likes to soften fighters up in the clinch and then uh, take the back from standing, catch front chokes, snap guys down. And Dawkins is a darser. I mean, you'll look to catch that dart from everywhere, from top position, from bottom, from standing. And he's very good at using front chokes to defend takedowns to create positions uh, to, for scrambles. He has uh, solid body locks himself against the cage. He's very strong on top. 
passes very well, gets his dominant positions, and finishes fights. He likes to take the back, has good rear naked chokes. Uh, no issue fighting off his back as well. Very dangerous with his guard. Really good triangle, good arm bars. He'll attack the legs, sweep very well. Common bat positions, great scrambler. He can kind of allow himself to get taken down and be controlled on his back, but he's uh, very good at scrambling. So in this fight, if he does get taken down, I'm, I feel like he will be able to maybe find the uh, submission or be able to scramble, sweep, get back to his feet, or take top position himself. Dawkins has five Dars choke submissions, three Renica chokes, and awesome fight, great matchmaking. Both these guys are high-level prospects, high-level grapplers. Both guys are huge for the division. On the feet, I think Dokus is clearly the better striker. He controls distance better. He throws uh, more variety of shots. He has quicker, more fluid hands inside. The power advantage goes to Allen. In the clinch, both fighters are dangerous with knees, and Dukas has nice elbows. In terms of wrestling, I feel it's fairly close, but maybe Allen is a bit more physical. Jiu-jitsu-wise, I have to favor Dukas. Dukas is nasty off his back, and in top position, I feel like he's going to be a lot of trouble if he can get there for Allen. His Dars is killer. Both guys are dangerous. He can finish each other on the ground. Both fighters also possess great cardio, durability, toughness. This should be an awesome fight. Um, I'm going to take the shot on Kyle here. I feel the line is way off. Brendan Allen is a fighter who wins a lot of fights just through being the bigger fighter, mauling opponents. The way Allen strikes, the way he closes distance is not very good, very hittable. He has been impressive on the ground. The issue is I don't think Allen's top control is good. He got swept in a lot of fights. The worst matchup for a fighter with bad cop top control is a Darcer, man. I just think the odds should be much closer. Kyle is going to be able to match the size. I feel he has the more technical striking, the better grappling. I'm going to go with Kyle Dukas to catch a submission at some point over the three rounds. I'm next here, co-main event, uh, Mickey Gall, Mike Perry. <laughs> what a matchup, right? I mean, it's just kind of a, uh, it's like a clown fight at this point. I mean, Mickey Gall, I mean, when you look at his resume, some of the guys that he's fought in the UFC, I mean, not very impressive. Obviously, he has the wins over Mike Jackson, over CM Punk, and <laughs> Mike Perry, I mean, he's lost two in a row he's been on a tailspin in his personal life recently it seems like as well uh, I don't know if he's serious with this uh, <laughs> having just his girlfriend in his corner and all this craziness but man I mean I'm not going to break down this fight very uh, extensively I mean looking at the fight on paper look at the guys that Mike Perry has fought I mean Mike Perry has won rounds against Vicente Luque won rounds against Santiago Ponzinibbio he's uh been in dog fights. He's going to be the lot bigger guy, more physical guy. His striking is on another level in, in comparison to Mickey Gall. I mean, Mickey Gall's striking is, is rudimentary. His grappling, I mean, it's good, but I don't see him being able to take down uh, Mike Perry. I mean, Salim really struggled taking down, uh, I mean, Mickey Gall really struggled taking down Salim Tuhari. Salim and Mickey Gall kind of went life and death in that fight. And if you're going, you know, to a really tough decision with a guy like Salim Tuhari. I don't think you're going to fare very well against Mike Perry, man. I think Mike Perry doesn't respect Mickey Gall, so that is a dangerous thing because Mickey Gall, I mean, we've seen him drop guys before. Uh, he is dangerous if he can get to dominant positions on the mat, so Perry can't just be extremely reckless, but I don't see very many ways for Perry to lose this fight. I think 
His ta- his grappling, his wrestling, especially, is much better. Even if he gets taken down, I don't think it's a like game set match. And I feel like on the feet, big mismatch. I think Perry is more athletic. I think Perry is uh, faster. I think he's probably the better wrestler. Um, I mean, unless Perry is just completely fucked off this camp, not done anything. Um, unless his durability is just totally gone after this Jeff Neal fight or he's just totally checked out mentally. Have to monitor him during the week. I mean, if he misses weight or looks terrible on the scales or is doing any craziness that I don't like, maybe I'll switch my pick. But as of now, I mean, put it in the comments, guys. Guys that are high on Mickey Gall, I mean, what is Mickey Gall going to do um, that's going to defeat Mike Perry? How is he going to do it? What What's going to be the way that he wins? Because... I think Mike Perry should definitely get that victory there. So I'm going to take Perry to get the win. And uh, up next year, we have an amazing fight. Dustin Poirier taking on Dan Hooker. I mean, hell of a main event. Uh, Dustin Poirier coming back for the first time since losing that chance at unifying the belts against Habib. Dan Hooker, he's fresh off that five-round war with Paul Felder where he came out on top in his home country, had the best victory of his career. And... uh, Man, very interesting fight because I believe, you know, a lot of people on the feet are underrated Dan Hooker, man. I mean, they're thinking that Dustin Poirier is just going to go in there and easily outstrike a guy like Dan Hooker. I kind of disagree with that, man. I mean, looking over Dustin Poirier's career historically, he's kind of struggled with kickers and he struggled with guys who control distance very well. I mean, fighters like Conor McGregor, you know, even back in the day, a guy like Cub Swanson. And even when he fought Anthony Pettis, I mean, guys, go back and watch that fight. Anthony Pettis was giving Dustin Poirier a lot of trouble on the feet. Dustin had to start grappling with him. Even when he uh, Dustin Poirier fought Joe Duffy, who's a guy that kind of uses range a little bit pretty well. He struggled on the feet in that fight. Dustin, you know, he likes fighting guys that are very boxing-oriented, very boxing-based, guys that are willing to sit in the pocket with him, to trade with him, because Dustin Poirier has some of the best uh, combination punching inside for, uh, you know, MMA fighters. I mean, inside, when he can throw combos, when he can go body-head, when he can sit down on punches, when he can touch, 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 then come in with the power shots... He's a dangerous guy, and he hits like a truck. So you don't want to be playing that game with Poirier. Poirier's chin, I also feel, is a lot better in those situations. Like when you want to sit and trade with him in the pocket, and he can kind of brace for the shots, can see the shots coming. He's very durable, and he can kind of win a lot of dogfights. But when uh, he gets hit with shots that he doesn't see coming, shots from the outside, like sniper-type shots, he kind of tends to go down. And... um in this fight, I mean, I think the low kicks of Dan Hooker and the distance control is going to be a big factor if it stays on the feed. I think he's is going to struggle to get Hooker to be stationary, and I think Hooker is going to be, you know, sticking him as he tries to get inside with the jab, with the one-twos, with the front knees. I think Hooker is going to be able to, you know, do well controlling distance and uh, hit some low calf kicks as well, which... If Poirier lets a few of those add up, that could be trouble for Poirier. The thing with Hooker is, though, his boxing defense inside is not very good, and it is in the small cage. So if Poirier can kind of, uh, you know, walk through the shots of Hooker, get inside, force him to trade with him in boxing range, that's where Dustin Poirier could take over, really start to put it on Hooker. And I believe that 
Poirier maybe will even come in here with a game plan to try to wrestle, grapple up Hooker, control him on the mat, beat him that way. But I will say, man, I mean, Dan Hooker's grappling has come a long way from like when he was losing to Jason Knight. When you look at his grappling against guys like Ally Kinta, when Al was going for takedowns, I mean, uh, Dan was in excellent sprawls. He was hitting front chokes to force Aikenta uh, to his back, getting on top. And even in his fight with Paul Felder, he used uh, good double leg entries into body lock trips. He was able to get a couple takedowns, and that kind of sealed the fight for him. So he's getting more well-rounded. He obviously always is a guillotine hunter, submission guy, and uh, very dangerous striking on the feet, on the ground. Dustin Poirier, I mean... His wrestling is definitely better than Dan Hooker, but I don't think he really sets up his double legs very well. I mean, he will kind of faint the hands, go under, but uh, not very fast with the level changes. I mean, Dustin isn't an extremely athletic guy like that. He's not an explodes, explosive athlete. He's not a blitzer. And, um, man, I mean, I love Dustin, man. I mean, if you guys watch my channel, pick Dustin against Max Holloway. I picked Dustin to beat... Uh, Gaethje, picked him to be Eddie Alvarez, picked him to be Pettis. I mean, I, I ride for Dustin Poirier. I like Dustin Poirier a lot. But, uh, man, I think this is a bad matchup for Dustin, man. I think that uh, Hooker definitely has a chance to knock him out in the first round. I think that on the feed, Hooker's going to be the better striker straight up. I think he's going to have the advantage. I think he's going to just be able to control distance and touch Dustin a little bit more, especially early on. Dustin is going to have to weather the storm, show his, uh, you know, his grit, his heart, and uh, take over in the later rounds because we did see Dan Hooker start to fade a little bit against Paul Felder, but Felder had to walk through, uh, you know, fire and hell to get to that point, man, and uh, you saw Felder's face was destroyed after that fight. Um, Man, this is a tough fight for me, man. I'm going to go with Dan Hooker. Uh, I think he's maybe going to get a KLTKL. I I'm going to go with Dan Hooker to finish the fight, actually. Um, I hope Dustin goes in there and, and uh, proves me wrong gets the victory, man. I really want Dustin to get the win. I think he has multiple paths to victory through grappling, through uh, pressure boxing. But uh, I think Dan Hooker is going to be able to, you know, put damage on Poirier early, compromise a little bit, compromise him a little bit. I don't think Poirier is going to be able to drag uh, Hooker into these dog fights like he has with like guys like Justin Gaethje when he's gotten hurt and I think Hooker is going to be smart and kind of uh outpoint him I think if Poirier goes for takedowns he has enough grappling to kind of negate that so um I'm gonna go with Dan Hooker to get the victory so uh there you have it guys that's my predictions for this week's card like always if you have any uh disagreements put those down in the chat put uh put those down in the comments Put down uh, who you think is going to win in the comments. Once again, I'm doing the competition for the main card. So if you want to be involved in that, write down who you think is going to win for the main card. You'll get a shout out just like Metal Mike did. So shout out to Metal Mike once again for uh, his victory last week. And uh, hopefully we do well on this card. For the uh, parlay of the week for this week, I'm going to do a parlay of Sean Woodson and Miranda Maverick. I'm very confident that should hit. So, uh... Thanks for watching, guys, and uh, let's make sure to make some money on Saturday.